Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, May 12th on Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a prominent Mississippi pharmacist box at medical marijuana opt-outs. Then we talk with writer Angie Thomas. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. fledgling medical marijuana system is set to be up and running in Mississippi within the next year. But a number of municipalities have already opted out of the program. Included is the city of Brandon and Rankin County, where the Board of Aldermen cited uncertainties about what a cannabis program would look like in action when they voted to opt out in March. That rationale frustrates people like Buell Polk, who says lawmakers have unfairly framed the cannabis industry as the Wild West. Polk is now involved in collecting signatures in a bid to reverse that opt-out decision. He tells MPB's Kobe Vance he wants to open a dispensary in Brandon and believes he's earned sufficient trust within the community to do so. I am a pharmacist by education. I have been practicing pharmacy in Mississippi since 1975. I opened a retail store in 1978 here in Brandon, Mississippi, and since then we have opened, uh, we now operate approximately nine retail pharmacies in the state of Mississippi, and then I have several specialty pharmacies in, located in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. You've joined the petition process to try to ask the city of Brandon to overturn their vote, the city council's vote, to opt out of the medical marijuana program. Tell me about that. Why are you wanting that? Well, we all are aware that the state of Mississippi now allows medical marijuana. Uh, The citizens going forward will have access to that. And in the legislative process, they allowed local jurisdictions to opt out. And my position was that that we have a location here in Brandon that is in the basically located in the center of the medical community here in Brandon. 
and by that I mean there we have within one half mile of this particular location that we have in mind we have four retail pharmacies we have four nursing home or assisted living facilities we have a hospital and we have numerous uh, medical clinics here in this half mile location and I felt like this would be an opportunity for my company to be able to service those people that would qualify for the medical cannabis here in Mississippi and this would prevent them from having to leave this local area and go to another area to be serviced with their medical needs. You were at the city council meeting when they made the vote, uh, the city of Brandon made the vote to opt out. You know, what were your thoughts at the time? Uh, my thoughts at the time was that, you know, that uh, I thought we presented a, a realistic situation for the city. I felt like that I was the only one there that said, if you opt in, I will offer this to the community. And certainly with, you know, being opting out that, you know, I was somewhat disappointed in what the uh, Board of Aldermen and the mayor did. What do you think having this in the local community, either through your distribution or, you know, others, could mean for citizens of Brandon? Well, it means easier access to this particular program that the state is now offering. It would certainly, hopefully, help ease in being able to obtain uh, the medicinal medicines in a central location. And, uh, you know, hopefully for the welfare and the benefit of the community, as well as uh, the Department of Revenue will be generating funds, and I'm sure the city and the local jurisdiction would be receiving some of those funds. What do you say is the importance of having local access to you know medicines in in the state by having locations closer to where people actually live. Well, it's a certainly a convenience aspect, and it's also relationship building. And where we've known patients through the years, uh, quite frankly, I have had calls through the years from my patients who were buying their medications here and wanted to know about if they were to use cannabis, what would be the result. So. Uh, you know, reading between the lines, you know, you, we knew what they were doing because cannabis is now available in well over 30 other states, and that's medicinal cannabis. And, you know, so it is it is available out there, you know. And, you know, at this point in time, the, you know, the Mississippi has, has stepped out and became a part of that. And you want to hope that the local jurisdictions will help their local citizens to have access to this medical procedures. Going back to the signatures uh, to overturn uh, the vote of the city council, how many signatures do you have to get to be able to you know, make an effort? The way I understand the regulation is that it has to be 20% of the uh, uh, jurisdiction voters or 1,500 signatures to be presented to the local jurisdiction for to either have a vote or hopefully you would hope they would opt in at that point in time. You know, what are your plans to be able to get those signatures? Well, we've made our facilities here in Brandon uh, readily available 
for the petition drive. Uh, there's, there's that group of the uh, Cannabis Association that is working toward getting those signatures and uh, presenting them. And we made our two locations available here in Brandon, as well as I understand that there are other locations out there in the municipality that it's doing it. What's the reaction been? We have had, uh, I, 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 I will say this, we've had no negative response. We've had more people, uh, we've had people we've never seen before that have walked in and inquired about the petition and wanted to sign it and be a part of it and everything. A lot of people that voted for Initiative 65 said that they have concerns about, you know, standard pharmaceutical products. Um, what do you think that offering medicinal cannabis could mean for those people and you know getting people treatment that might not have sought it previously well it it is it is a situation where there is a problem a problematic in standardization between uh, I'm going to use states every state has their own regulations and their own standardization uh, procedures uh, Mississippi has developed theirs, or is continuing to develop it. At the end, at, at the end, it's going to be uh, how do we get the cannabis that is available to the patient, the qualified patient, and what what type of <clears throat> cannabis do they need for their particular medical disease state? Is there anything else we haven't touched on you'd like to share with Mississippians who might be considering this same process for their own community? Well, I would certainly ask you know ask them to be mindful of their of their voters. You know, remember this the the voters in this state approved it overwhelmingly, and so be mindful of that. The other thing is that we you know Mississippi is now can can, can become a part, and we we can make this better. This may not be the best cannabis law in the country but it is a start for us and we can start here and as we go forward there will be some improprieties there will be some mistakes but there will be good things to come out of it and hopefully we can continue to grow and make it better for the community and help with some of these people's disease states cannabis is not going to be a cure but it can hopefully have success in relieving some of the pain and discomfort with some of these disease states and then lastly, what are your plans for if the city of Brandon does overturn their their decision to opt out of the program? What would be your plans for either Brandon or other parts of Mississippi to be able to you know participate in the medical marijuana program? Well, our plan is right now it's a wait and see. We obviously there's a petition drive out there. If the city does decide to opt back in, then we will move forward on uh, developing our dispensary here in the city of Brandon. That's pharmacist Buell Polk. Coming up, we talk with Mississippi Award-winning writer Angie Thomas. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Jackson writer Angie Thomas's debut young adult novel, The Hate You Give, 
earned critical acclaim and was adapted into a major film. That book is now newly available in paperback, along with its prequel, Concrete Rose, which was originally published in 2021. Thomas is now working on a film adaptation for another of her novels, 2019's On the Come Up. When I spoke with her a few days ago, I began by asking, how does it feel to be a superstar? <laughs> you know, if you look at my bedroom right now and saw what a mess it is, <laughs> you know, it's funny to me that people, you know, they, they they consider me that. And I'm just like, I'm just here trying to tell stories for young people, you know. Um, but it, it's awesome to know that I've reached so many young people um, and not so young people that, you know, my books have sold millions of copies worldwide. I'm honored. I'm humbled. So if I'm a superstar, it's because of the love and support that so many people have given me. And I'm truly grateful. When you think about writing for young adults, is it because of your own experiences or is this your target audience? It's a little of both. Um, as a young person myself, when I was around 14, 15, 16 years old, I wasn't into reading a lot. And I now recognize it's because I didn't have a lot of books that were being presented to me that I could identify with that um, that spoke to me. And so I want to fill that void and make sure that young people won't have that problem that I had. So for me, it's about making sure they get the, they get books that show them themselves or that show them lives unlike their own and experiences unlike their own because that's just that's in, as important um, as getting the mirrors. Um, but also because I want to talk about things that I've experienced because I recognize that I may be older than my target audience, but there are some experiences that are still the same I, that 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 we're still that they're still dealing with, like. For instance, for me, when I was um, living in Georgetown in Jackson and then going to Belhaven um, and living in these two very different worlds, um, having to be two different people, although that was years ago, that's still a, uh, an experience that so many young people still go through. And so I want to talk to them where they are um, and not necessarily teach them, but show them what maybe I've experienced or someone else has experienced in this situation to hopefully help them and guide them as they make their own decisions. The Hate You Give, number one New York Times bestseller, The Come Up, New York Times bestseller, you got Concrete, Rose. The Come Up is going to be a movie, is that right? Yes, yeah. It. Um, we finished filming it um, here in Atlanta a few months ago. Um, Sanai Lathan, one of my favorite actresses, is her directorial debut. She's also playing Bree's mom in the film. Um, and, and it's going to be, it, it's a great film. I got a chance to watch it for the first time the other week. Um, Method Man is in it. Um, Mike Epps is in it. And we have a wonderful cast. So I'm excited for everybody to see this one. It comes out hopefully later this year. Yeah, The Hate You Give was a movie that was very popular. Now, you were a producer on both of these movies? Yes, yeah. With The Hate You Give, it was more of a learning experience. With On The Come Up, I did a little more. I wasn't the ultimate decision maker, but I had a little more say this time around. What does a producer do in relation to a movie? Well, for me, I'm more on the creative side of things. Um, I focus more on the story 
and and the story elements and having conversations with the screenwriter and the director on from a creative standpoint. You know, I it's kind of like you have to know your lane. I know that casting is not my lane, so I'm not getting too involved with that. I can give an opinion on some stuff, but I try to stay out of that, too, you know, a bit. Um, so I focus more on the creative side of things and, and the storytelling elements and, and making sure that, hey, this character story is being told um, uh, as close to the book as possible, and this this emotional beat is still there, and 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 this um, this element of the plot is still there. So that's what I try to focus on as a producer. And the atmosphere that we're in right now, culturally across the nation, your books have been banned in some places. How do you feel about that? Well, it's frustrating, and not because. Um, it's my books that are being banned. What's frustrating is the message that it sends to young people who see themselves in my books, who identify with my books, who love my books. Uh, the message that they're being told is something that matters to you doesn't matter. Something that matters to you shouldn't be read. Um, your life, your perspective should not be, um, we should not know about it. We should not hear about it. We should not read about it. And that's where I take issue. Um, I wish that when we're seeing these conversations about book bannings, I wish they talked to the young people who do identify with these books, who do love these books, and who do um, walk away from these books um, feeling empowered. I wish they talked to them. I wish they talked to the parents of these young people who are seeing themselves in these books and talk about how important it is to them. So we're only getting one side of things, and, and we're not talking to the people who actually do love these books, and we're not hearing from them nearly enough. And I wish that we would. So I wish that um, they would listen to them more because I think that would truly change the conversation. Have you ever had an opportunity to talk to someone who didn't like your book or or took issue with it? I know the message of police brutality is a concern for some. The cursing is a concern for some. Have you had an opportunity to have that kind of discussion? I have, actually. I had a discussion with someone who made assumptions about the book before they actually read the book. Which one? And then they were Which convinced one? to read the book. The Hate You Give. I, I, yeah, I had a chance to talk to someone who made assumptions about The Hate You Give before they actually read it. Um, somebody that thought they wanted it pulled from bookshelves and, and, and thought that, that it, wasn't, um, it wasn't something that young people should read, and then they were convinced to read The Hate You Give. And they finally sat down and read it, and it changed their whole perspective on things. Um, it, it changed the way they viewed these conversations. Um, and it made them realize that you can't judge a book by its cover or by one or two pages without actually sitting down and reading the entire thing. And and that's all I wish people would do a little more. Um, because a lot of times when people are having these talks about banning books, they haven't actually sat down and read these books. Um, they're going by what they've heard. They're going about by what, you know, the subject matter is. And it's easy to say, oh, The Hate You Give is a book about police brutality. But The Hate You Give is really a book about a young girl. It's a book about a family. It's a book about what it's like to be a black person in America. Um, it's not a political agenda. And so this person, especially once they sat down and read it and realized, oh, this book is not a political agenda. This is a book, again, about a young girl, about a family. It changed their perspective and how they viewed it. So I wish more people would actually take the time to read these books as opposed to just writing them off. When you write, do you outline your characters? Do you understand your characters before you start? Or do you kind of go with a flow as you write? 
Um, I have a good idea of the characters when I before I start writing, but then as I write, I get to know them a bit better. I get to know them as I'm writing them, and and I discover things about them along the way. And I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of being an author, um, of writing and, and developing characters, is getting to know them as the story goes on. Um, and at times, you know, the the way that I thought that they were going to be at the beginning is not the way that they end up. And I love that. Um, I try not to plan too much. I try not to put myself in any boxes too much and just try to allow the story and the characters to grow organically. And that's proven to work for me so far. As you age, are the issues that you write about over time, do you see them aging with you and the perspectives that you bring at that point in your life? You know, I think there are some things that just are that are going to remain the same. There are some things, especially when it comes to young people, that you know, no matter your age or they or the what they're going through, there are some things that they still deal with. So even though you know, when I was seventeen, we didn't have um, like TikTok and this, this, and this. these types of social media, I still understand wanting to be accepted and and, and wanting acceptance and and wanting to um, be viewed in a positive light. I still, I understood that. I dealt with that myself and I still understand that. So I think um, the key for me as a writer, as I grow and as I mature even more so is to um, understand the audience that I'm working, uh, that I'm writing for and be willing to listen to them and not just dictate to them. Um, I feel as if when I reach the point where I'm like, oh, I know this, I I can't learn from y'all, then I need to stop writing for them. I'm learning from them just as much as hopefully they learn from me. And as long as I continue to be a learner and a listener, I feel as if I can write for them um, until the wheels fall off. What have you gained from this experience that, would have happened no other way but to go through everything that you've been through growing up in Jackson, writing these books. Um, I'm thankful for what I've learned and, and what Mississippi invested in me. Um, I'm thankful that I grew up in Mississippi. I think it was William Faulkner who once said, if you want to understand the world, you need to understand Mississippi. And Mississippi will help you understand the world. And I get that now as an adult. I get that more and more every single day. Um, but I'm what I'm learning, too, is that um, there are so many young people out there who just want to be heard. Um, and that's young people in Mississippi. That's young people here in Atlanta. That's young people across this country. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be visible. And we owe that to them, to to acknowledge them. And that's what I try to do. With my books, I want to acknowledge them. I want to acknowledge their experiences and, and their their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations, all of it. I want to acknowledge that. But I'm thankful to be in this position. I'm thankful that I get to write stories for a living. You know, not everybody gets to do that. And I hope that, you know, I can continue to show the world that there's some good that comes out of Mississippi. That's writer Angie Thomas. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's AutoCorrect. 
And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Have a good day. 